You just let me know when you're ready. <laughs> you want to sync all the cameras? Good. All right. Welcome to the Drain Plug Podcast. This is our very first episode. We took a little road trip from Georgia. We are here in Indiana. Is that yeah. what state we're in? Yeah, for sure. All right. We got a good lineup of folks here today. We've got Jeremy from 24-7 Boats. We've got Nate Eckle from Tiny Boat Nation Outdoors Midwest and Nate's Custom Boats. We've got Dustin Apple, White River Rambo Customs. We've got Mr. Ryan over here, Fire Ant Fishing. What's up? And also co-owner of Tiny Boat Nation Outdoors Southeast, because, you know, Southeast is way better than Midwest. Let's check the dollar value on that. <laughs> oh, it speaks. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins. There you go. Here we go. Here we are. It's going to get dirty. Let's yeah. <laughs> have fun, guys. So we're going to be starting out this first one talking about one of the most highly debated topics in the John boat world. We're going to be talking about riveted John boats versus welded John boats. We have some people from all different genres here, got different ideas. We're going to go through and just kind of see what everybody's opinions are. So, Dustin, what what do you think? What when you when you're looking at boats, do you have a preference? If anything that you look for, things that you don't like, one or the other? Like, are we talking about what I would personally buy, or what what I like to see come through the shop? Because you know, I would like to hear about both. So for me, I I don't care as long as it's wide. There's no replacement for displacement and Stability starts with width. Well, it starts and ends with width. So the wider you, you know, buy the widest boat that you can afford, in my opinion. But, you know, when, you know, stability for me is the, the number one thing. So, but I've, I've built and worked on a lot of riveted boats that are fine. I mean, I know I worked on a 1971 Playcraft and uh, it was a pain in the butt to weld on. But at the end of the day, Still a good boat. Now, have you seen any issues with the boats come through your shop that are welded? Absolutely. So a lot of the industry started welding boats. Well, some of the the high production models, um, 2006 to 2008. And those first couple of years, uh, the the welding was terrible. Um, I had a tracker come through... um, and it had a false floor on it, and he knew it was making noise. He let it go for a couple of years, and, and the Ohio River is, uh, you know, quite unforgiving. And by the time we pulled that false floor over, um, I had 52 cracks that I had to go back and God, fix. And, and it was Well, every, every weld that wasn't properly terminated, you know, created a low spot, and so that cracked across the ribs, and so just had to go in and, and fix it but um, but the the new stuff you know from what I've seen pretty much everybody makes a good boat now um, and it's they're so much stronger you know versus the old stuff but now you think that's because the welding process is getting better the welders are getting better or materials getting better quality What's your control quality control yeah yeah and I, I think there's a uh, trial and error of the uh, engineering process to, you know, w- seeing uh, what boats failed in what areas and, and 
you know, making ribs closer together, making ribs a little wider or, or whatever. Um, it, it has a lot to do with it. Stress points. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, you're on the other end of the spectrum. You work mostly on fiberglass boats. Correct. But you do play with aluminum every now and then. Time to time. Time to time. What's your opinion? What do you feel? Tell us how you really feel. I, I feel like that uh, you 10 guys are all crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just need to get into the fiberglass world completely. And, Dude, you know, I hate no, fiberglass. Oh, my God. Just because all of you hate it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it. Uh, you know, and I love our 10 boats, too. You know, I, I, I obviously own one. Um, a little bit of both. I, I'm more of a walleye guy, so I'm a, a big water guy. And my aluminum boat holds up real well. And. They have, everything has its place. Um, fiberglass will fail just as much as aluminum will. I see it in my shop. goes both ways. Obviously, we, uh, we've got that crest liner that we were redoing. Just the d- same thing that Dustin was just talking about. The lower floor welds failing. Um, you know, we pulled the floor out of that boat, and I would say we had every other support split across the bottom side of it. But you see it in the fiberglass world, too. Everything's got its... It's stress points that are going to fail. You know, your older glass boats, you're going to have transom issues with when they were playing with wood. Um, uh, an aluminum boat will take more abuse, obviously. So, I mean, you can't hit a rock in a glass boat, and it won't take it, you know. Yeah. So, it's all in what you're wanting to play with. Obviously, your, your aluminum boats don't take big water nearly as well. So, if you're going to take out, your ride is not as quality. You can beat a fiberglass boat, in my opinion, a lot harder into a wave to where I can't use it on a river. Um, so me not being a fiberglass guy, if I was new into the boating world and I was going for that bass boat, walleye style boat, something along those lines, that overall fishing boat, where do you draw the line for a new customer coming in the door of which direction they should go, fiberglass versus aluminum? Price point. Price. You know, that's going to be your step, your first step, as much as I hate to say it, especially if you're buying a new boat, because you can get into a high glass or a high dollar aluminum boat in the low 40s, mid 50s to where if you're going to step into, a, let's say, an 18 to, to 20 foot deep V walleye boat in a fiberglass version, you're going to be upward to, you know, you're starting in the mid 90s. Um, just as an intro, and you're in the 140, 150 class by the time you really rig that thing out. Yeah. Uh, same, and the same principle goes in the uh, fiberglass bass boat world to aluminum. I mean, you've got a lot of high-end aluminum bass boats that are coming out into the market that are still performing just as well as the, gla- as the glass stuff is or is competing fairly well, getting the speeds out of them that, that some of this glass stuff's getting, and you're doing it at half the cost. So... You know, it really just plays out on where your price point starts more than anything because, you know, if you're working on a forty-five dollars or $50,000 budget, or even if you're financing, let's say I've got $20,000 and I'm going to put it towards a boat, well, what are, your, what are you shooting for? You know, you can go buy uh, an entry-level glass boat, but you may not get all the bells and whistles on it that you want yeah. for your money because by the time you've rigged it out, you've added another twenty grand onto it. Yeah. And you may be able to backpedal it into a really nice aluminum boat and get some more of the goodies on it for the same money. Yeah. So Now, from a DIY standpoint, 
new guy coming in, don't have the money for a big fancy aluminum, you know, like a brand new tracker or right. a brand new Ranger, a brand new Phoenix. I'm in that low budget range. Aluminum used boat versus fiberglass used boat. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, from the DIY aspect of it. What do you, um, what do you want to do with it? Yeah, that's, that's the big question is, you know, what are you going to DIY into a glass boat? That's the biggest thing. Um, there's not, it's not the same mod world. It, mm-hmm. If you're going to change a lid compartment or change, you know, a structural aspect of a glass boat, you're not just going to cut the floor out of it and weld some uprights in it like we're doing yeah. in aluminum boats. Uh, there's a whole grafting process. There's a structural support process that you're going to have. It's going to be way more time consuming. Yeah. You know, we and we've talked about trying to do, you know, an aluminum aluminum hybrid framing in, in a glass boat, but you're not going to do that on a DIY level. Yeah. So. No, but what you see, like, on the marketplace side or like the Craigslist side is these older fiberglass boats that carpets, absolutely garbage in it. It's usually falling apart. Soft you got floors. soggy floors mm. that are, you know, glassed over plywood. Like we're, I, I know enough about fiberglass to get myself in trouble, but from somebody who does it, like, would you recommend somebody new that's never done fiberglass before get into that kind of boat? Like, is there the resources out there to learn how to do it? There is somewhat, but, you know, your mid-90s, you know, your early to mid-90s, all the way up into your 2001, 2002 glass boats, until things started going away from wood and doing more composites, those boats just need to go away in life. They're, they're really money pits. And, you know, when you get a good deal, I mean... You've got your champion 202 guys out there. I mean, they're, they're the sought-after boats that, you know, they made for for years that were the battleships. The downfall is those boats are falling apart. You know, they've, they've been worked for their life. They've been term and beat to, the, to death. And you go pick one of those boats up. A lot of guys think, oh, I need a, you know, a champion 202 because that was the best haul ever made. Well, you may get, go give twenty grand for something that needs $20,000 worth of work to it. And you're almost gonna, back to the point of buying a bare bones, brand new boat. Correct. You're back at that same, that same problem. And, you know, when you think you've got a soggy floor in an area that's two by two, most likely the whole floor is shot. What's underneath it is absorbed from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. But what you're not seeing is the problem that goes with it. And before you know it, you've got a wreck. So is it like basically gets to a point when you get that soggy floor, like it's not even really worth messing with anymore? Most of the time. If you see a marketplace ad and there's stuff physically growing from the floor, <laughs> just keep scrolling. Yeah. There's, <laughs> a lot, there's a lot of those too. Yeah, yeah. But see, I wouldn't shy away from that on an aluminum boat because my mm. first two John boats I ever bought had oak trees growing in them from you know acorns sitting in yeah. them for so long. You know, that's totally different ball game though. Well, and I'll tell you the other one. Uh, I make jokes with guys all the time because you know fiberglass. You see the the nasty burnt glass and um, we'll look around and you'll see one that's got the green moss growing all over it. And that's the boat to buy a lot of times. If the floor's solid in it, when you finally get all that off there, all that crap that's stuck on the outside of the boat has actually saved the gel Protected coat over the years. From the UV. Really? And you can, yeah, and it'll come back three times better. It, it's usually the ugliest boat that gets brought into the shop that turns out the nicest with the least amount of work to huh. where if like Texas, Oklahoma boats to where they're just sitting out and Florida boats burning in the sun and they keep them clean and they just, but they never wax them and never maintain them. You're not getting those back. But the guys that just park it under an oak tree and 
three years from now, you go, as long as the floor is solid and the transom's not soaked, <laughs> really, yeah, you can crazy. make it look new. That and is... you, it'll usually come back nine times out of ten. Yeah. So, Nate, you, you cut your teeth in the aluminum boat world. How what you have an opinion or a preference, uh, riveted versus welded? Move that mic what, over towards. We didn't. We didn't bring enough mics up here. It just depends on what you want to do with it. You know, it depends on the customer. Are you fishing five acre ponds? Or are you fishing three thousand acre lakes? Well, is your boat welded? My it's boat fully is welded. welded, right? Yes, but in a small horsepower world, a seventy thousand sixteen forty eight riveted John boats five mile an hour quicker than a hundred gauge. Welded boat. Mm, yeah. My 316th bottom will still be together when, at the end of the race, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to keep in mind, most of the water we fish are 25 horsepower restricted lakes that are under 2,000 acres. And like yeah. three You're not foot taking deep. a beating. Yeah. You know, yeah. and in that world, six or seven mile an hour, you know, some of these guys got eight Gs in a 25 horsepower motor to make it go 40 mile an hour when everybody else is doing 22. You know, where speed matters... You know, yeah. Personally, if I'm going to put 25 grand in a John boat, I'm going to put it in a welded boat. Yeah. Customer brings me a riveted boat, wants to put 25 grand in it. We're going to put 25 grand in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, have you ever seen any issues with? Because I know you get a lot of customers to come in that are like on a budget, especially when you first started. You ever seen any like major issues with guys that came in with riveted boats, other than just loose rivets? Not really. I mean, we've come in as some that had some cracks from the rivets, and we've had to replace 50 rivets in a boat before. Mm. It's time and materials. Yeah. Seems well, like riveted crack less, though. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you, you get a, a, a stress point, and a rivet might waller around, yep. and, and, I mean, hammer and dolly and smash your back out, and, um, and you're probably good, but I, I see less cracking on ribs. On riveted stuff. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, every manufacturer we've opened up, there's cracked welds in every one of them. Oh, yeah. 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 So what's Everyone. what's what's the hate on riveted boats? I don't get it. They leak. They leak, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know. What Chris says, well, is Chris is, <laughs> my opinion is real short and sweet. It's a freaking boat, not a submarine. Buy a bilge pump. That's why the good Lord made them. <laughs> and if you ain't got a bilge pump... Cheese ball bucket works great. <laughs> I mean, literally. So, one of the first times me and him took my 16 foot boat out was at that uh, John Yacht trip up in South Carolina. Yep. I've got two lines in the front of my boat, with just solid rivets that you can touch and move about a quarter of an inch. Like, they're not even holding anything. I opened the boat. hatch and I saw water coming in like a water fountain. Yeah. I was standing in ankle deep <laughs> like water. Date, I was like seven hours that day. <laughs> My boat never sank. Chris, you got a bilge pump in here, totally right? Totally fine. Nah. It's only three feet. We bailed deep. with beer cans we'll be before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am amazed when people bring me a boat to work on and it doesn't have a bilge pump in it. Oh, yeah, we hit something in the river. You know, got a hole in it. Could you weld that up? Yeah, sure. Oh, hey, where's your bilge pump at? I don't have one. What? Dude, they're so what? cheap. They're so cheap. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You know, Alibaba Amazon special for seventeen ninety nine. <laughs> It'll I, work a couple of times. <laughs> so I keep a handful of handful of them in stock, and they're they're about two thirds the size of a two liter bottle. Mm -hmm. 
but they're 3,500 gallons per hour, and oh, they wow. use an inch and a inch and a half, I think. Yeah. yeah. They look silly. But, boy, if you ever turn one on, it yeah. looks like a fire hose shooting out of that boat. Yeah. That's what yeah. I want. If I poke a hole, I mean, I, I want power. Yeah. yeah. And I've put two of them in a boat before. We, just, so when we build boats at our shop, we always put two. We put a manual and an auto. Yeah. And we hook them both together. So if uh, you right. know if you want to manually turn them on, they both turn on at the same time. If you just want to leave it on auto, it's always hooked up to the battery. So it's there if you need it. Yep. I think we do the auto one more for rain because most of our bo- boats get stored outside and inevitably get filled up full of water and turned into a giant pool. Yeah. So, but then you got to worry about killing your battery too because it's hooked straight to your battery. I want to I want to touch on one thing. We're talking about aluminum boats mainly, but you're talking about keeping your boat out in the rain. The first thing I do in a rebuild is start pulling waterlogged foam out of it. Mm-hmm. People don't understand an aluminum boat. You have to pull the damn drain plug out and keep it pointed downhill. That foam, even though it's closed cell, breaks down over a couple years. I'll say two to three years, and it starts getting waterlogged. I had a, let's see, the last one I did was, I don't know, eight, nine years old and pulled the floor out of it and it was three inch thick foam. In the very back section, I cut a 12 by 12 section out and went to the front up in the keel and I turned a 12 by 12 section out. The front square foot only weighed like <coughs> two ounces, something like that. And the back square foot weighed like five pounds. Golly. I literally pulled 300 plus pounds of foam out oh, of this boat. boat. Yeah, we've done that plenty of times. And, I mean, the guy got it back. And he's like, man, he goes, this this thing, it's just, it goes everywhere. It's, it's, it's so smooth and it rides. He goes, what'd you do? I was like, I pulled 400 pounds of crap out of it. Yep, we've you all know? done so, that. I know Nate's done it. I've seen a ton of videos of you swimming in foam dust everywhere. And I know we could do a complete podcast on Yes. Foam in a boat. Now, we'll tell you a funny story. We had a boat come through the shop not too long ago, and I had this genius idea to hand Ryan an angle grinder with, like, a five-inch knotted wire brush on it to try to get the foam out of the inside of these, like, hatches. Or oh, uh, to the be back fair, pods. we cut the hole in the back by the transom and had to dig all that out under the bench yeah. to extend it back to the transom. So that was the only way in and out, and that's, like, the only tool. That would do the job. We just had to make it all dust. Yeah. So instead of us being geniuses and just cutting the bench out, taking the foam, and then welding the bench back in, we were like, nah, watch this, bro. Man, I come. I, I left him with the angle grinder. I went up to the front That's of the exactly shop. Exactly how that conversation happened. That's exactly how it went. Exactly. Watch this, man. <laughs> I come this back twenty work? minutes later, dude. He looked like a snowman. Yeah. <laughs> he was covered from head to toe I in was white itching foam everywhere. Oh, yeah. It was everywhere. That was the dumbest thing we've ever done this week. I'd foam this, this week. <laughs> this week. <laughs> oh man, Ryan. What? So you you haven't worked on as many welded boats probably as some of these other guys. We deal with a lot of riveted boats. But yeah. what what's your thoughts? I have a riveted boat and I like it. I don't care. I don't see the big deal in them. And now, obviously, I don't want one that's got a, like. You know, a hundred. If all the rivets are loose in it, obviously that's a warning sign. But I don't see the difference. I don't care. Does age play a factor? No. Mm. We've done some 1950s boats that were pristine. Yeah. 
Um, it, you know, my boat's a 1979, and when I got it, I didn't have a single leaky rivet in it. Now I went went a little crazy and did a couple full sins, and now I got a whole bunch of we, leaky rivets. When but. I was like 18, we had a 1232, and we beefed up the transom where we literally took some steel iron and bolted it to the boat, bolted <laughs> it to the seat. We put a 25 on it. Oh my Me God. and Ryan used to get in it and run the river. The thing would do like 35 God. <laughs> within a year. <laughs> All the rivets were gone out of it. It was literally, when you went down the river, it was just like this. It wow. made the scrap pile. Yeah. But when you, you were 18, to tell you're about like, it. You, you probably weren't wearing a life jacket either. Or no, you? no. No helmet. No, no nothing. No bilge pump. Yeah, no, no bilge, bilge pump. <laughs> Did you at least there have was, a cheese there ball There bucket? happened to be one incident where we had no life jacket, no anchor, no oar, no rope. And that become a pretty pricey day on the river. Yeah. <laughs> 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 There was trespassing involved too. <laughs> oh gosh! Old Johnny Greenpants. Yeah, uh, I think we were about seventeen and eighteen years old. Golly, what was that back in nineteen forty-three? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It involves some really big smallmouth, though. I can say that. I haven't yet to do that. I have never caught a smallmouth or even tried. You literally can take a little boat up a creek. There's no signs. Park the boat and you walk over the levee. Well, the levee's hot water going to a plant, and there's smallmouth in there. They're like four and five pounds. So now, is that a big smallmouth? Those are big. Those yeah. are okay, big that's a giant. So you can yeah. literally—they make a, like every hour they make a loop. Mm. And when we were young, we were like, "Who cares?" You know, we park, walk up over the hill. That day, hands got zip tied together. And Mr. Green Pants. Got <laughs> Old green jeans got you. Since I know there will be comments on that, uh, <laughs> yeah. check the description below for the Google pin. Uh, Matt's going to put that in later. We all GPS do stupid stuff when we're young. So one of the YouTube comments I see on everybody's videos, not just ours, but everybody's videos, is what kind of goop, slop, slop, Crap, can I slather all over the bottom of my boat to seal my leaky rivets? Just bucket. That's what I say. Dolly and a hammer. Dolly and a hammer. I have yet to see a product on the market, aside from concrete and maybe some 5200, that will seal a leaky rivet. Never seen it. I've tried everything. Goop. Was it the Goop It? Uh, yeah. Super slick. Super I put Gator Glide on my boat. That didn't help at all. What's the Golvet? Is that the one? Oh, that they they'll all work short term. The problem yeah. is, is if you never squeeze that rivet back together, it's loose. So yeah. as the boat vibrates, you're just pretty soon you just break the seal that you put on it if you never fix it. Well, it's one of the things about a riveted boat that's nice is they're light gauge, but it allows some flexibility without having mm-hmm. to worry about cracked welds. So you can put all of the junk on the bottom of the boat that you want to try to seal that rivet, but that that, that boat's gonna flex. Yeah. No matter what, you can't stop the boat from flexing, and that's why they never last. The only problem with that is, um, you know, people keep slapping that stuff on there. And, I mean, I charge a hundred dollars an hour to take it off. Yep. So whenever you're ready to fix it right, call me. Yeah. I'll, I'll get that grinder out. <laughs> Welding over stuff that's been, you know, I mean, siliconed or three M'd or gloved yeah. or any of that crap is a pain in the butt. If you 5200 anything, 
you better make sure it's gonna be there for life because that stuff is nasty. Yeah. Stickier than coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I I have a question. Sure. Um, you know, I heard a guy say my boat or his and this boat and, and on my boat and how many boats do y'all own? One. Really? Okay. Next. Oh yeah, the count is so high. I don't, I, I'm not sure. Whole parking lot full. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so we're talking legally, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was guess we needed to have Posi- that conversation. I guess I guess I have. Wall, so. Two, two to three. My name though. I've got a few. I have the Arizona boat, the. The you sun your, dolphin now in the yeah, mine. Yeah, the sun dolphin. Mine fisher. What about yeah. your little your little bass buggy plastic tub thing? Looks like yes. a Rubbermaid tote. We're talking legally. Okay. Um, you okay. can't flip your truck topper over by law and without a watercraft sticker on it. They, they sell those on Etsy now. <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. Shout so, out to Etsy if you guys want to sponsor us. You know, let us know. <laughs> I, just, I just wonder just in case my wife ever... Here's this podcast. How many do you so, have? I've only got six right now. Oh. Um, That's I so, not. I don't, I sold, I don't consider that a lot. Pretty sure. So I, sold, I think you're safe. I sold yeah. two last month. Yeah. Um, and one of them was one of those guy pulled in here and needed some money, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll buy it. You know, welded G3. I mean, like, yeah. I'm not going to turn it down, right? right. So, um, yeah, uh, I like aluminum boats. And too. and if I'm not going to use it today, the great thing about aluminum boat is if I want to set it over there for 20 years, yeah. it'll still be good when I decide yeah. to play with it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. I think I got three or four. I, I have two that were donated to the channel for nice science. For use. For science. Like, for science. I think I've worked you know, on We follow the science here. <laughs> One of them involved a snow tr- a snow. Snowy trip. Yeah, a snowy January. trip to Illinois where <laughs> me and Anthony escapade. almost died. <laughs> I was actually telling the uh, new camera guy about that. Our first trip to the snow. First we're trip not, to Illinois. We're not built for, yeah, when we went to Illinois, man, we are not built to drive. They show up, it's crowd. like 45. Next morning you wake up, it's like eight and six inches of snow on the ground. And these two are driving like 10 mile an hour. They're like, going to die. <laughs> I'm doing like 45. I'm like, come on, you guys, fucking catch up. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> we're all gonna die together. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, at least when we were behind you on the way to the shop, like I felt a little bit okay because y'all were all driving like retards, like 400 miles an hour everywhere. Just like, like it was not like it was a bright sunny May dude, day. You had Mustangs passing you in the snow. I did, dude. I was <laughs> you were in a four wheel drive tundra, and Mustangs yeah. and grandmas were passing you. Yeah, but there was so much. So, like, in Snow Georgia, makes a collision we only need, like, a 16th to an eighth of an inch to shut the entire state down for a week and a half. Our schools don't close until there's, like, eight or nine inches. They they close three days before they think there might be snow in Georgia. My kids walk to the bus stop in six inches of snow. Well, they'll have great stories when they're older. <laughs> Up, uphill, <laughs> uphill both ways. Yeah. 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 The worst part was coming back, though. So Anthony's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. We're going down whatever y'all's interstate is up 74. there. Yeah. So we're going down the interstate, and you had convinced me to buy this boat while we were up there. Is that 16-foot, uh, was it a fast tracker? Yeah, I remember So we're that. towing it back, 
I'm sitting here trying not to pay attention. I'm over on my phone in the passenger seat. And I look up, and out of the corner of my eye, I'm pretty sure I saw out the front windshield the center of the interstate, like the median. I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I look to my right out the passenger window, and I can see the boat coming around sideways. I was like, yep, this is how we're going to die. This is how it happens right here. <laughs> I look at Anthony, and he's, ah, ah. So then I start panicking. I got my feet up on the dash, and I'm like, oh, my God. The whole time this is happening, there's a state trooper in the middle of the interstate watching us laughing because we're only going like 10 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> they went over the bridge on an icy morning yeah we were going sideways the boat was trying to straighten itself out and go backwards and we finally wound up on the side of the road and it wasn't just attack. the boat it was the boat with like 10 sheets of aluminum and then a bunch i had of angle, the, and then the 10 foot the boat 10 that we foot put boat, deck yeah. on flipped upside down on top, on top of that boat of all strapped down all the georgia for a 12 hour orders. ride to georgia yeah. I had never been so happy to see Georgia in my life. <laughs> Whatever happened with that boat? It's at the shop. That one is? Yeah, it's over behind the shed. So, like, I waited. We got so busy, I just haven't had time to mess with it. But I wanted to wait for a while and see what everybody on YouTube wanted to see. Because I was half, I was kind of conflicted about cutting the side pods off of it. Or whether I should try to, like, extend them up and angle them some more so the water would go up underneath them. So I waited like a couple months to see what everybody wanted to see on YouTube. And they all decided that they wanted me to extend them more forward and angle them, try to get water underneath them. And I was like, well, crap. And then we got really busy. And I just haven't had time to mess with it. But it's still a shop. Whose idea were the side pods? I think it was me and Nate both. Okay. Unfriend. Like, that was stupid. <laughs> Actually, it was Anthony. Was stupid, yeah. It was, it was, I got a 10-foot boat. Literally, it fits on the welding bench. And he's like, I want to put a 350-pound motor on the back of it. And the boat's rated for like 200 pounds. <laughs> it was like, can we put a big enough hunt deck on it to float it? I'm like, it's not helping the width any. I'm like, yeah. I mean, the damn boat's like this wide. Yeah, It's like 32 inches in the Chris back. Chris is a big guy, you know. It's got like 12-inch sides on it. Yeah. So it was, let's try this. So they started, they were like four foot long in the beginning. It kind of looked like a rocket ship when we first did it. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it added a lot of width to the boat. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if it's going to work or not. And it was actually, that was actually the second boat because it started with Anthony's. Yeah, boat. Anthony did Anthony that was one. the original one that had the idea. Yeah. And he had like, like a CAD file drawn up for it. He did, like he did a whole video series on it. One of his subscribers did SolidWorks. Yes. Um. I can't remember the gentleman's name, Ratha something. And he drew up this beautiful file and sent it to me. And we made them. And Anthony bolted them and welded them onto the boat with some help from Frankie. And But he gained like 16 inches of width in the back of that 1232 little raggedy boat. Yeah, it ended up being a little over. I think it was right at 48 inches. Mm -hmm. But now he can carry that 100-pound battery and that e-propulsion in there. But it, it made that boat super, super stable, though. It did. And even w with what he's using it for, though, with a little electric outboard, it's perfect. Trying to go 100 miles an hour it's probably not, wouldn't work yeah. like I was trying to do. It kills the performance, but it does add to the stability. But I can tell you I've had hundreds of people Oh yeah. go, how much to make those for me? <laughs> yeah. Literally How much hundreds. to make those for me? And I'm like... Just buy a bigger boat. It calls. How much to make them for me? Thousand bucks. Oh, yeah, I ought to buy a different boat. I'm like, 
So it's by a different boat. I've I've cut boats right down the middle and widened them. I've I've done it four times, and every time I do it, I say I'm never doing it again. Mm-hmm. And I and I I do it for my personal stuff. All right, so don't don't call me. But oh man, you can literally build a boat faster than what you can cut you one know, and a half, yeah, one and four, yeah. yeah. Um, the still, biggest headache is working fun. on old aluminum, trying to get yeah. new good aluminum. Yeah, getting the paint primer getting off, paint of it. off, and whatever else they stuck in there, trying to seal rivets, and yeah. that's a mess. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try the the float pod, the, the side float pods. I'm gonna extend them up some and angle them. You just cut that damn boat in half and move on with life. And I don't know. New project. Just I'm, blow it up. It'd be good for views. I'm already this far into it. I might as well blow just, it up. Tannerite. Yeah, we still got to do the coffin boat too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, that's fun to freak people out with at the shop. Yeah, people come by the shop. Freak the best out. Dude, I remember the first time you and Anthony sent me that little clip. He's dragging <laughs> the coffin across the parking lot, and then you come popping up out of it. He's got the shovel in the coffin. Yep. Dude, there's still human guts in that coffin. It was a repo. A, re- a repo <laughs> coffin for 600 bucks. Man, I'm cheap. I wasn't going to buy a new one. You know how expensive those things are brand new? They're like 2500 bucks. I was like, man, YouTube ain't paying you know, me that kind of money. If you focus your energy on business as much as you do on these crazy ideas, you'd be a millionaire by now. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I like my crazy ideas. I remember uh, like four days of gluing popsicle sticks together. Yes, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. But and I put Mike stupid. in his place. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike likes to get on there and make these very bold statements in his YouTube videos. He's like, I have built the lightest frame ever. And I'm like, yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a while now. Yeah. Yeah, that was a long couple I don't know, days. It, it came up in conversation this morning in front of the hotel when we were reviewing the original video when Dustin called you out about the 2-2. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's when the popsicle build popped back up. That it? Yeah, that is when it came back up. I did those about the same time, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I wasn't even on TikTok when Dustin made his video. I don't think I've ever seen the popsicle that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever he literally seen that. glued about ten thousand popsicle sticks together, and I made a front casting deck for a boat that weighed like three pounds. Yeah, and stood on it and everything. Yep. yep. I went to Anthony so I have like a, a witness to show that I like I really did it. Yeah. And uh, he was like, "What'd you do this for?" And I'm like, "Just to prove Mike wrong." <laughs> and he was <laughs> like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> I think that was when Mike started doing the, was it the Gen 7 or Gen X or one of his Gen Gen whatevers? I can't remember. But uh, it, it, all ma- started, made a video. it all started with you trolling Mike. Yeah. yeah it, you were trolling <laughs> That's Mike. That's starts out. And literally, Chris jumps in a comment and he was like, oh, I can beat you. Done. Hold my beer. Man. Mike's like, you're full shit. Chris There's is like, wait till tomorrow. And then he called, Chris calls me at like two in the morning. I'm still fucking gluing popsicle sticks. <laughs> I did too. I glued popsicle sticks together for he, like three He literally days. glued them like 10 layers thick and kept offsetting them. 
and hundreds of clamps and just kept making pieces and then had to make like 50 Y supports to span two feet so he could step on these damn popsicle sticks. But I did it. And time lapsed the whole thing. Yeah, I did. I time lapsed the whole thing. And it was significantly lighter <laughs> than. But what was funny is that people that didn't watch the whole video, they were just like, oh, lightest casting deck ever. And yeah. then they just like fast forward to the popsicle stick. They're like, well, what do you think about epoxy coating in, <laughs> in water? <laughs> like so people went wild in the comments. I was like, just the whole thing was a joke. It, I mean, I really did it, but it was just a mess with Mike. Yeah. <laughs> there is nothing more powerful than someone telling me no. My yeah. God, get out of my way and just watch. Yeah. You know? So. One of the things that I was thinking about earlier while you guys were talking about the riveted boats is, and I, I can't prove this, but I've heard this a lot. A lot of people say that most of the damage to riveted boats and welded boats happens while you're actually trailering the boat not when you're actually out out there fishing you guys think that there's some some truth to that or i guess it depends on how the boat's set up you know that's part of it too like interior weight that, yeah. that's a lot of it you know guy that doesn't have his battery strapped down and they're sitting on the bottom of the boat and it just smacking going 80 miles an hour down the interstate yeah if you if if you bought a boat and then you found a jet ski trailer and you try to make a fit and oh, the yeah. the bunks are six inches shorter than the transom and and yep. the entire boat is just cupping the hell out of the bottom of the hole you, your bunk boards should actually extend past the transom a couple inches that way it's supported all the way across yeah, um, I mean, even the bow eye in the front. How many times have you seen it where yeah, the guy yeah. cranks his boat up and it's sitting up this high, and then at the last few inches it sucks it down? Yeah, that's, that's not the right way it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you, it shouldn't have down pressure on it; it should be steady forward pressure on it, and that's it. Yeah. So most of those hooks fail because it's not the trail's not set up right. There are a whole lot of people building like really good small boat trailers, which I like. You said jet ski trailers the harbor freight trailers mm -hmm. just and i've done it I, hell, i've had quite a few boats on jet ski trailers that i've had to extend and we got some really nice aluminum trailers. you do what are you carrying now nate they're easy tracks okay you like them yeah they're pricey but and are, are they so when like when you get them are they set up for a specific style of boat or do they just have like a couple of bunks on no, them the, you the bunks them are adjustable the tongue's adjustable forward backwards but they're four thousand dollar trailers with welded fenders steps lights swing tongue yeah. aluminum rims tires spares i mean they're nice yeah but they're thirty nine hundred to forty one hundred dollar trailers yeah they're nice though what but steel trailers stuff. ain't cheap anymore either. They're yeah, well, they're over three grand. That's what so I was gonna say. I, you want to spend an extra seven eight hundred bucks and have a really badass trailer, or you want one that's gonna rust in three or four years? Yeah, well, especially up where y'all are. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what y'all do with salt in the wintertime. It's like they just pour it everywhere. They do. They do. We they literally stockpile it all year just to get through winter. Mm -hmm. no. But we can get a foot of snow. Our roads are clean, twenty four thirty six hours. Not not in Georgia. <laughs> but no. that's also why my property taxes are like $5,200 on a 2,000-square-foot home, and yours are probably $12. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We also have Waffle House, and you don't. Correct. Which is lame. That's un-American. 
I don't know how y'all survive up there. So, Ryan, you got any any thoughts on the on the um, welded versus aluminum boats? No, I just want Waffle House. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't eat Waffle House on the way up here. It's a long ride to Indiana, by the way. It's not as long as from Illinois to Georgia. That's yeah, true. that's true too. But I'm sure it took you three hours to get around Hotlanta. Almost four just to get four. to Chattanooga. Yeah, traffic. Which what was the drive which is here? Double. Total supposed eight to be hours, eight like right at eight, I think. It take me eight to get to two eighty five down there. Yeah, mm-hmm. we left at four o'clock in the afternoon. That was the first big mistake. Yeah, and then it was traffic all the way through Atlanta, all the way through North Georgia, all the way through Chattanooga, and then between what is what is it Interstate twenty four? Well, then we hit the, yeah. the mm-hmm. nasty storm in Nashville. Yeah. Y'all got some crazy storms up here, too. We don't have rain like that in Georgia. Nashville's a nightmare when it's raining. Yeah. People can't drive down there. So, question for everyone. If you had to pick an aluminum boat, brand spanking new, that you're not building, you're just going to go buy, well, what would you buy? Ryan? Honestly, probably the Tracker Grizzly. You like the trackers? Well, it's an easy thing to get a hold of where we are. Specific sizes you like? I like Troy's, 1860. 1860s, good. It's pretty nice. Okay. Dustin? What are the stipulations on this? Because, like, I, I might buy a, a Hanko or a Long Beach or... Um, there's there's a handful of guys out there making awesome boats. Really? Now it's you know you can't go to a Cabela's and buy one. Yeah. You know. So what are the stipulations? I mean, are we whatever you're we talking? What would you buy? What would you spend your money on? I'd build one myself. I just I'm capable and I've I've yeah. built you know eight or nine of them from scratch. So I just I like building them. So, but it. There's really no bad boat out there, though. I don't think. Nate? I don't know. They all serve a purpose. The Grizzlies aren't bad. Those 1754s are a good in-between boat. When it comes to a 1648, you got Low and Crescent. They're all about the same. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's 20 brands out there that are all reasonably priced boats. Yeah. One thing that separates Sea Arc from everybody else is um, their 125 series, uh, eighth inch hull yeah. versus you know everything else that's hundred. So and half of them ain't even that. I mean, yeah, right. Some of them are eighty or ninety. Um, I don't know. They're they're all they all serve their purpose. It just depends on what you're going to do with it. Jamie. No, and I agree to that. I mean, I think it's more of a do-your-research kind of thing um, because it is, you know, what you're buying the boat for more more than it is. Uh, And it's a – are you looking for an off-the-shelf brand? Are you going to go buy that tracker? Are you going to buy the low? Are you going to buy Crestliner? Or are you looking for something that's a little more custom to where you can spend your money in that direction right off the bat over what we do a lot of times? Obviously, we're building boats. So Mm – you know, are you going to be 
um, you know, looking to, for at a custom prodigy per se, or you know, chopping one up right off the bat. You know, are you looking to buy a boat and put twenty five, thirty grand in custom interior in it and building it the way you want? So I think that plays more of a factor. Uh, you know, the, the thickness of the hulls that plays a big factor too. Are we running it up a river? Are we doing like Nate was talking about earlier? Uh, Lakes around me are electric only. They're, you know, horsepower restricted down to 25s. So the thinner wall hauls are going to probably get you by and do everything you need them to, and you're going to get a little more speed out of it to where if you're running the Mississippi or running the Ohio River, you're going to want something with a 100 haul or plus, you know, yeah. to take more of an abuse and a beating. So I think it's more of a do your homework before you make the investment than it is to just say, hey, I think one is better than the other because – they all serve a purpose, but they may not serve the purpose that you need. Yeah. You go buy a lightweight boat, and you're going to go beat the crap out of it. You may destroy it in two years and be very disappointed that you didn't do the homework a little better yeah. and, and bought the one you really should have bought. So I think that's probably where, where I would lean with it. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, do you – I know you do aluminum repair, but do you do aluminum welding at your shop? Yeah, we do some. So are, uh, do you actually do the welding, or do you have somebody that does it? No, we, we do it in-house. So that's one of the questions that I wanted to kind of get into with everybody since we're on this topic of welded versus riveted boats is uh, talking about the aluminum repairs as far as what you do, what you like to do, uh, what you try to stay away from, and any uh, – your, what's your what's your history in welding? Like, did you start with aluminum or do you? Yeah, no. I mean, from my end, I'm kind of picking piggybacking off of you guys uh, on the aluminum side of it. Obviously, we didn't really get introduced into doing aluminum until I wanted my own aluminum, you know, bass boat more or less, and started putting it together. So I don't have a big background in uh, in doing aluminum fabric, etc. Um, I blame you guys for that. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> as much as I hate to that. say it. Um, we saw it on YouTube. It looks so easy. Yeah, it didn't look that bad. So, you know, I bought a spool gun and I started, you know, throwing sparks and it looked re looked really terrible. But, uh, I mean, obviously, we own, I own an auto repair shop and, you know, from the exhaust, we do a lot of custom exhaust. So I, I have a lot of background in welding. Just never really had any re reasoning on doing any aluminum side of it. Yeah. You know, my fiberglass days started with fiberglass kit cars and cobra bodies and old tea buckets and just slowly graduated into boats and once we started i started playing with boats it just never went away and now, did you have any formal training in welding are you just on the job learning because you you grew up doing yeah welding with mufflers and yeah and i mean it, it was just all hands-on as far as that goes nobody ever showed me how it was you know started with dad saying hey you know i need you to build me 45 y pipes and you're gonna weld them all together and <laughs> <laughs> the first 10 looked terrible and threw them away and then he took them out of my paycheck and i figured out well i better do better on the next few yeah. and, and it slowly worked from there yeah so was there a big learning curve going from stainless and aluminized i know you work on a lot of aluminized steel right. too is there a big learning curve going from that to aluminum not really from my end it wasn't i think i've uh i've done enough of it i mean if you ask me to pick up a tig welder right now and, and roll you some dimes I'm not going to be that guy. You're going to look like a newborn baby giraffe trying to Pretty ice skate. Pretty much. You know, I mean, <laughs> I would never put, put any of my welds up against any any of those guys, you know, any of you guys, really. Maybe Nate's every once in a while, but, you know. Uh, I, don't, I can't get the – I'm straight new to to the TIG, you know. That's, yeah. 
Because you, you just recently got a new TIG, didn't you? Yeah, we've had a 350P for two years now, but then we bought a TIG um, <clears throat> because all the aesthetic stuff on top of the boat, I wanted it all TIG. Yeah. So I bought it, and then I knew somebody that was looking for some part-time work. It's a phenomenal TIG welder, and part of the deal was to train the other guys in the shop. Yeah, and I've spent several hours with him, but the whole hand dip, hand dip, hand dip. <laughs> I'm good until I I can I give you a pretty weld about that long, but when I have to feed, yeah, back through my fingers, I'm better to start out here and then until I run out, yeah, and then I got to stop and I got to start again. Yeah, but the getting the motion through the fingers, no, nah, it's it's not, hard. It's not good for me. That's when it, it gets all over. But if I can just hold and dab until i run out of, of rod yeah i'm okay so if you only want to weld about this big i'll give you a good one <laughs> you want one about this big ain't gonna happen now, you're <laughs> really jokes. good with the uh, push pull yeah which you're spoiled rotten you're you're an ass but so when you started you got a spool gun. you got a cheap spool gun didn't you i literally my background was carpentry for 21 years and when i decided we were going to go build some boats i needed to know how to weld I walked into air gas and sell me the simplest welder to learn on. And they said, here you go. Give me $2,100. I walked out the door and I just built a boat for a guy who was the teacher at the local college. Mm -hmm. I called him. I said, get your ass over here. I need your help because it was just boogers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and, what welder uh, was that? Huh? You remember what welder it was? It was a uh, Lincoln Miller... Lincoln 210 mag or Lincoln 210 mig? 210 MP. Okay. MP. Yep, an MP. Yep. yep. And that's what I learned on. And he come over and he helped me for like four hours one day and like four or five hours the next day. And we got it dialed in. And then, you know, for us, it's eighth inch, 90, very, very little 60. Mm -hmm. You know, you got your inside and your outside. So it was just a matter of writing down all the settings. And yeah. for the most part, it's not that hard. So it was, it was, you picked it up pretty quick though. Yeah. You're probably within learner. 10, 15 hours of it. By no means was I pro. No. But I could stick two pieces of metal together and make them look. You are a full fledged member decent. of the I Welded It Stucted Club. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then the rest of it just come with time, you know? Yeah. As we started making parts and you're sitting at a table for eight hours a day, it don't take too long before you get. You know, get several hundred hours under your belt. Yeah. And then when you make side pods for Anthony that have 52 different angles <laughs> on them and they all have to be welded, you know, you, you gradually start putting it together and learn the, yeah. the little subtleties. And there was some advice along the way from multiple other people because I was proud when I could first lay down a couple little lines, you know, and somebody be like, hey, I get the little message change this or do this or do that you know and i always took that great you know yeah give me all the fucking help i can get okay so what are you i know you still got your miller for your push pull setup what is which machine is that 350p all right and what are you running for your tig it's a miller 210 sinker wave okay all right and jeremy what are you what are you running on now are you even full gallon on a little miller okay Nothing overly exciting. Started off learning on a Harbor Freight Special. Hey, man. 
Nothing wrong with Harbor Freight. I love right. me some Harbor Freight. Had to had to fry something off the bat. If I'm gonna burn some tips up and something, <laughs> we're gonna learn on that. So that's where it ran off from. Okay. Dustin. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Still hanging with us. Yep. <laughs> what uh? What got you into aluminum welding? And tell us about your welding history. So. It all started for me about 2011, and I was uh, I was part of a little uh, a little forum called Bowfishing Country, and I saw all these guys moving furniture around and building decks and all this yep. stuff. And and the only welding shops around here, um, you know, they they get paid for their work, and I I'm tight when it comes down to it. I, I was like, I can buy a welder and start building my own stuff cheaper than what i can pay that guy to do it yep and i bought a lincoln 140c and i cut my boat into six pieces in a yard and it took me like six months to hobble it all back together (laughs) i did not have a clue what i was doing i found out pretty quickly that the wind sucks yes and uh you know if it rains you you better uh preheat and get that moisture out of there or you're (laughs) not going to weld anything either so Um, trial by fire was how I learned. Um, and, and I mean, YouTube, I, I had plenty of people telling me that I couldn't, that I wouldn't, that, that, that I was yeah. crazy. I um, feel like we all kind of had that, you know, start in life as far as that goes. And, yeah. and you know, and, and I just ran with that. I was like, man, it, somebody told me I can't. So I have to now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The popsicle stick deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So. Um, now 12 years later, after, you know, having my YouTube education, um, I've YouTube certified, yeah, YouTube certified master Um, welder. So on on that forum, I, you know, I was showing pictures of what I was doing, but that had already been done before. I'm like, well, I got to start taking video and that's how I got into YouTube. So I started making YouTube videos of what I was doing just as for fun as a hobby. And then I got into editing mm-hmm. all the while I was still working on my welding and, and you know, I had, I had nine to five jobs. It was never supposed to be a business. And then I just, I got sick of working for other people that wasn't appreciative of, of what I was capable of. And so I just started investing in myself and I've had the doors open for three years now. Um, well, a little over three years. Um, and I'm a creator for weld.com. I still do some YouTube, I do some TikToks, do all that stuff. Um, uh, I'll build a boat from scratch, a trailer from scratch, uh, or I'll modify anything that you can bring me. Um, and somebody comes in here and wants TIG lessons or, or spool gun lessons or whatever, I do that too. Okay. Um, I've had, you know, a couple local guys, you know, like, who oh, saw so your TikTok? I got a spool gun. Can you teach me how to use it? Yeah. Yes, sir. Here's my shop rate. You know, anytime you want to come over, I'll yeah, make time absolutely. for you. And, you know, and they're more than happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so what what machines are you running? I know you got the big Everlast as you're running TIG. So Everlast 255 EXT with a 375 power cool and a 25-foot CK Worldwide Flex Lock 230 water-cooled number nine torch. Um. You know, consumables are a lot of personal preference. I like uh, quartz cups from edge welding. Uh, I just, saw your pictures the other day. Yeah. Those things look really, really nice. I'm going to try some. I'll uh, I'll show you. They're not cheap. 
Uh, nothing Dude. really, really nice in the TIG welding world is. Yeah. That's a whole nother addiction right there. That it is. People don't understand it. When you get into welding and you get, if you really get into TIG welding, you can spend some mega, mega bucks on TIG welding toys. Absolutely. But they do make life a little bit easier. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. There's, you know, there's little niches and it's all what you want, right? So. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're all about aluminum, kind of like I am, I I call myself a hundred percent aluminum shop. I don't really, I don't do a lot of steel. Um, I I invest in all that because I I've always wanted to be that Instagram account that you just open up. And you're like, damn, this oh, guy's yeah. got dimes for days, right? I wanted to be Dabs Wellington. I wanted to be Mark Winchester. I wanted to be all those guys that are just like crazy. Hey, Dustin. Yeah. Is that your new shirt? Dimes for days. Dimes for days. Dimes for days. <laughs> I love it. How much Great. hate would I get for that? Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. Before I move on to Ryan, I will tell anybody that's watching on YouTube or if you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, if you're thinking about getting into aluminum welding specifically, and this is not just to beef up Dustin over here, but between you and weld.com, y'all have a lot of really good basic beginner info that's that's beginner friendly there's one thing i don't like about the aluminum welding world on youtube is there's a lot of people that like just jump in head first and they're way over the heads of most of the beginners that just have no clue what it takes to get into aluminum welding you and a lot of the a lot of olderweld.com videos they go over aluminum welding are very very basic and easy to understand so if you're looking for information on getting into aluminum welding Definitely check out your channel. And your channel is still Dustin Apple, right? Yep. My YouTube is Dustin Apple. Um, if you search White River Rambo, if you search White River up. Rambo, just Google White River Rambo. It you'll get up. all of my socials and all, like, it'll take you everywhere. Yeah. Um, Weld.com, you know, obviously you can go to Weld.com's YouTube channel, which mm -hmm. is like 900,000 subscribers right now. Um, but Weld also has an app. Um, and it has like four different tiers, I think. You can, you can start out with a free trial, and that'll get you to the message board. You can post your pictures and say, hey, I'm having trouble with something. Um, Weld is unlike anything else. There's no hate. There's no trolling. There's no bullshit that goes on there. It's all like we're the 1%, and we we want to help other people succeed, and that's, that's what it's all about. So, um, But the premium members um, get complete educational content. So... Um, You've, you've probably seen some of my YouTube videos on, on Weld about new machines and things of that nature, but I've done a lot of content that breaks all the specific steps down. And, you know, if you're a premium member of the Weld app, you, you can, you know, go through that yeah. in, at your leisure. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Yeah. It's just you got you to gotta invest in yourself and, and, and start unfolding it because it's, it's deep. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of time behind the hood. Oh, yeah. It, it, people think they're going to pick it up, especially when you get in a TIG. Uh, and I'm not super steady with my hands, but I am a decent TIG welder. But it took me a long time to get there, Yeah, especially not having any formal training. It took me a really, really long time I to said, get there. I can do this. I got this. Hold my beer. Yep. And then I was grinding tungsten. Yep. <laughs> Dip <laughs> off. Dip off. Just watch it get shorter and, shorter and shorter. It's not if you dip a tungsten; it's it's what you do after you dip it. Yeah, 
and you're talking about making short little welds and and getting nervous and that's probably a lot of what it is you're you're like, all right, I've only got so long, right? And then I'm either going to have to move or I'm going to have to have a heart attack and just quit, right? Or let so, your fingers catch on fire. Or, or let your fingers catch on fire. When you do that that quick, oh, oh, my glove, and you're trying to sling it across the shot, but it's stuck to the skin, and you're uh-huh. like, ah! I've done that. Yep, I, I do that on occasion. But that, I had to overcome that because that's, that's anxiety of terminating and restarting. A lot of... What no, worked for it, me was it's the my biggest thing is whenever I go to try to feed more, I get the bloop. I can feed it, but the nice smooth doesn't stay nice and smooth. It's nice and smooth, and you go, oh, yep, Nate fed. <laughs> nice and smooth. Oh, yep, Nate fed. <laughs> so it's easier for me to just or you stop. shove the filler rod into yeah. the side of the tunks and you're yep. like, crap. Yep. I hate it when that happens. I haven't mastered that part yet. Yeah. I can I can I can make a nice little two inch weld. I mean, you do a lot of parts, you do a lot of nice little welds. But I don't do a lot of of feeding while I'm welding because we do so many short welds. Right. And uh, we specifically, and I know Dustin, you do this a little bit too. But welding thin material like sixteenth and less, you can't weld for very long, anyways. So it's almost like you kind of want to only have so much filler in your hand before you need to stop so that you can allow the material to cool or you can move to another side of the part so you don't wind up with something that's supposed to be flat and ends up looking like a freaking pretzel by the time mm-hmm. you're done because you just put so much heat into it, it can't handle it. Yeah. Um, get in, get out, move on. Yep. Don't linger. Ryan, you're, you're a certified welder now. Nowhere near that. No. <laughs> I've welded a few frames together, but nothing serious. Yeah, still learning. Your so your first time doing aluminum welding was at the shop. Yes, with me. Yep, I've yep. done steel before in like high school uh, auto mechanics classes and stuff, but never done aluminum. So, so you just so at our shop we run all prime weld equipment. Um, Not for anything other than it's cheap and we just don't do a ton of welding. If I was welding all day long, like Nate does, like you do, I'd probably have some better equipment. But we weld for an hour or two at a time and then I may not touch a welder again for another two weeks. Just depends on what we got going on. I think the most that we do is welding frames and boats and that, that prime weld MIG that we've got works amazing especially for the price. It's been really good. I mean, hell, it the first day we got the new Prime Weld, the MiG-180. I set it up. I did a couple test runs with it, and I just handed it to Ryan, and I was like, here, go weld some On 050. I, he, had, he welded two pieces of 050 on edge for like a foot and a half and didn't burn through it. I was like, wow. Did really good. I was very impressed. Um, but you haven't done the TIG yet, have you? No, I'm not coordinated. Matt tried to get me to do it, and I was burnt, almost burnt down the shop. <laughs> we were doing it on a wood table, too. It was not, not smart. But you, do, you, do, you, do you feel like you could if you practiced enough, or do you just, you just feel like you're just not coordinated enough for it? I don't feel like I'm coordinated enough, but I also haven't practiced a whole lot. So Yeah. I don't know. Right now, I'm comfortable learning with the push pull and then the spool gun. The spool gun and then yeah, 
do the do the rest of it later. And we came from a titanium Harbor Freight welder, and that thing was a hunk of shit. It was absolute. Now, uh, for what we do, for anything bigger than eighth inch, that little titanium that you get for six seven hundred bucks is a great little machine. It'll weld up to three sixteenths, probably quarter inch with multi pass, just fine. For doing thin stuff, it can't hold. Your voltage is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Wire feed speed yeah. is all over the place. You just can't get it consistent with it. That prime weld, though, for anybody looking to just get into welding, don't make the mistake that we did. If you're going to weld thin stuff, don't buy the Harbor Freight titanium welder. It is a great welder, but only for thicker stuff. The prime weld has been amazing. I, I can't recommend that stuff enough. And it's a great company. And when we got our TIG, we got the 225X. They were supposed to send, I think it was one of the torch, the, the torch lead was missing. And it wasn't even a big deal. It was like the, the I think it was a stick welder. Uh, oh, Stinger? Yeah, the Stinger. Yeah. And it was missing out of the box. And I called them and I was like, hey, I don't know if I'll ever need this or not because we don't do a ton of steel, but I would like to have it. They sent me a new one. They sent me a, uh, they sent me their brand of uh, stubby gas lens mm-hmm. set for my TIG. And they sent me a cover. That. I was like, dude, I didn't need all this crap, but yeah. thanks. I appreciate it. They've cool. been super, super helpful. Great company. <laughs> I mean, next thing I want to try is their uh, their plasma. Yeah. They got a really, really affordable, like, entry-level plasma, which we don't need anything massive for what we do. You know, most of the stuff we cut is eighth inch or less. Now, you, what are you running for plasma? So, I've got a 60-amp a AHP, um, and it was – it was something from weld.com where we were doing a promo for them. Um, now, I've had a couple other plasmas, but honestly, I don't use it very much. Yeah. Uh, 90% of the stuff I cut, skill saw. And I got, I, I just sent my wife after some the other day, those, uh, those Hercules uh, non-ferrous blades, Harbor mm-hmm. Freight, the non-ferrous, okay? That blue coating is a lubricated coating, okay? Okay. Um, and I run the dog snot out of those. They're, they cut smooth. They, they don't bind up, and the carbide's good on them. And yeah. I mean, I get lots of use out of it. Now, are you using the – I know you did a video on it a while. I didn't get to watch it, but I, it popped up in my feed, the uh, the Bauer 20-volt uh, mm-hmm. metal cutter. Are you still using that? The Which one? The Bauer. The cutter? Yeah. Or the little saw? Yeah. I've got it. I don't use it very much. We um, just got one. Yeah. I love that thing. The metal cutting saw. Yeah, the metal cutting yeah. saw. It's like a weird size, what, five and three-eighths yeah. or something stupid like that. Honestly, um, I have so many other tools. I've, I've kind of forgot about it. It's sitting over there in a the corner, and I think I just set it over there and quit. What you know, it, it was two days in between jobs or something, and it, it slipped my mind. But yeah. I saw it yesterday, and I was like, hey, I ain't used that in a minute. I love that little thing. It's yeah. been great. But, I mean, we, we learned from Nate. We use a skill saw for a lot of – you, do you have a plasma, Nate? You don't have a plasma cutter at all? Nope. Really? Jeremy, do you got one? I'm a surgeon. Little Hobart. Little Hobart. I'm, I'm a surgeon with a skill saw. But, no, oh, yeah. you, you, you use it a lot more in the auto shop, though, right? Yeah, Mike bought the uh, the titanium one from Harbor Freight. He was like, it is way overkill for aluminum, <laughs> especially for the stuff that we cut. 
think he melted like a whole piece of 050 trying to cut something with it, just gouged a giant hole in it. I don't think I would even try to use a plasma or anything less than a hundred. Yeah. Um, and the only time I get the plasma out is if I'm if I've got a lot of three eighths or half inch to cut, because that builds up heat on your saw and, and then it'll gum up and and you know on your skill saw. So uh, with that, I'll get the plasma out and just bust through. But I don't use very much of that stuff. You know, if I'm making a special bracket for somebody or something. Yeah. But. Well, anybody have any anything they want to add to the riveted versus welding versus whatever the heck else we ran off into a thousand tangents on sure. this episode about? <laughs> yeah, was, is that what we were still on? Yeah. yeah, we're still talking about boats. <laughs> well, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, just Tiny Boat Nation. You can check them out. They got all kind of boat parts and stuff on their website, tbnation.net. You uh, check out any of your favorite YouTubers that are affiliates for them. You may or may not find a discount code in their YouTube videos. You can check them out. Jeremy, up there in uh, the good old Illinois with an S and an N. <laughs> Where are you located at, Jeremy? So I'm in Newman, Illinois. All right. And then you are the fiberglass master. I don't know about master, but I can definitely get it done. Well, you know more than all of us about fiberglass, so that makes you a master to us. <laughs> and Nate, and Nate's boat custom carpet. boats, and you're in Pekin now. Pekin. Pekin, Illinois. You check him out if you need anything. Dustin's down here in good old Indiana. Yep. White River Rambo Customs, located in Salem, Indiana, about 35 minutes northwest of Louisville, Kentucky. And we got Ginger's Gone Wild over here just outside of Atlanta, so you know where to find him. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in watching make sure that you and it's not uh, if they're on youtube they need to subscribe and heart and whatever else but if they're on the the podcast uh, if you're on a podcast uh platform listening to us please rate the show a five star is there a six star or is it just five you gotta pay extra i think it's that. just five can they comment can they comment on a podcast i don't think so i don't mm-hmm. think so but you can follow subscribe to it or download the episodes or whatever but yep Make sure you hit the five star. Any love you can show us, let us know. Comments below. We go, oh, and we are going to be taking some more trips and doing podcasts with a lot of different people, but we're going to be running most of the podcasts out of our shop in Georgia. Um, so if you're watching here on YouTube or if you want to shoot us an email or call us with any podcast topics that you want to hear or see in the future, depending on which platform you're watching on, let us know. We've got... Frankie's going to be in with us on the next one. We're going to try to convince Mr. Anthony Jones to come and talk to us one day. He's a busy man. It's like Hollywood John Boat famous. So we got to get with his uh, his directors and his corporate sponsors and make Just sure. Just be honest, can... you got to ask his wife. Yeah, we got to <laughs> ask his wife. We'll get him on here we'll eventually. On. We'll get him on. And then we'll see. You guys are going to be back down in Georgia in September. Middle September. Yeah, so we'll probably have you guys back on soon. For the Electric Fishing Series Classic yes. boat giveaway. Yes, and that will be all over the tube of use, Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Mike, is Mike coming down for that? I think so. I mean, somebody's going to win a $25,000, $30,000 boat when it's said and done. Yeah. And they can... From fishing John Boat tournaments. Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. And that's on the electric fishing series facebook group yes Yes. okay and next year it's already 
it's already looking to be about twice the size that it is this year. We're going to expand it to two divisions and possibly bring on another state and potentially have multiple boat giveaways. Nice. Sweet. So nice. Yeah. This electric fishing series Facebook group. It's what yes. they got to do to go check that out. Yep. And if there's any states that are interested or any other groups, get with us. Yeah. Because we want to expand, you know, nationwide. Yeah. We would like to see this be a nationwide tournament with a nation, a national champion. Yeah. Tiny boat. Eventually series. somebody could win a $50,000 John boat as big, a first place prize. Big money. Yes. Big money. Big money. You know, All I right. just, I got this vision of 10, 12 states being involved. Send the top couple teams to a state that's equal grounds for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, not in somebody's backyard. You know, we do go to it could Georgia be Florida, it could be New York that we go. <laughs> it's a pretty good. And then state. go hold an event yeah. for those top teams from every state and let the winner walk away with a, the baddest John boat around. Thank you, cool. Cool. Pretty Thank awesome. you guys for tuning in. Yeah. We'll see you on the next one. And don't forget your drain plug. The what? Don't forget your drain plug. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been that guy. Nobody likes that guy. <laughs>